it's always good to be educated about what it takes to make a relationship work. And I think we now have to add into the curriculum, so to speak, um, understanding what it means to um, have a long, very long standing relationship you know, what the expectations are, what the changes are going to be later in life, um, and, you know, how you really, you know, go the distance, so to speak. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discussed the state of marriage in 2019. The Pew Research Center released a bunch of data, and we're going to go through it and explain what it means and how the state of marriage continues to evolve. Stay tuned. I'm going to go ahead and self-promote here. I've co-authored my first book. It's called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance, and it's part biography, part self-help, part leadership book and a part sports story, and it's very inspirational. It tells the story of the UCLA gymnastics head coach, Valerie Condos-Field, who has become one of the winningest coaches in NCAA history. Yet, she never did gymnastics. In fact, she's never even played competitive sports in her life. She was a professional ballerina. As you can imagine, she has an amazing story, and she is an amazing person, and I'm really proud of the book that we have put together. It's out now wherever books are sold. And again, it is called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Oh, and if you read it, please leave a review or email to let me know what you think. Thank you. everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the brilliant, the lovely, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this and more information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Uh, okay, so Karen, today we are going to talk about a uh, Pew Research Center study that came out. Well, it wasn't really a study. It was a collaboration of studies, uh, and they kind of put together this nice little article about um, eight facts about marriage. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, we're still uh, early in the year, and I thought it would be a good time to kind of take a peek at the state of marriage in 2019. Um, so... Um, I'm going to go through some of these facts and then I will ask you questions, uh, related to some of the things that were revealed and where we are. Okay. Alrighty. Okay. So number one fact, uh, and Oh, before we get into this, I apologize. Um, I do want to let listeners know that if you are interested, I will link, um, this article that I'm referring to in the show notes. So, uh, you can take a peek at it there if you want to dive deeper into this stuff. Okay. So first, the uh, first fact is among those ages 65 and older, the divorce rate roughly tripled since 1990. Does this surprise you? And do you think we need to better prepare for longer relationships because we're living longer? Well, yes and no. (laughs) Um, You know, on first glance, when I, you know, looked at the questions, because you do send me the questions beforehand. 
I was like, wow, yeah, it does. Um, But then as I thought about it a little bit longer, I said, you know, it really doesn't surprise me because we are living longer. And I think that um, it's very hard to sustain a, a relationship where, you know, you really feel good about the relationship. Um, and I think that because we're not only living longer as far as years, we're living more uh, healthy lives. Um, you know, you look at somebody, I'm in a 55 plus community now, and my husband often says when I, you know, I'm speaking to vendors or whatever, don't say, you know, we're, you know, an older community because the people here are very vibrant, Mm -hmm. very alive. And so I think that, um, People are living longer and living longer well. And so they may feel, you know, why should I be stuck with somebody I'm not happy with? I still have lots of years ahead of me where I can be enjoying the company of somebody else or or at the very least not be involved in a relationship where I'm unhappy. My children are certainly, you know, on their own at this point. I don't have to stay here for the sake of the kids. So, you know, with with some thinking, then I guess I'm really not surprised. Yeah. It um I, I'm not going to ask about this, um, but it was one of the f- things brought up in the, the article is that the um, reason for people getting married, love was the top reason given today, right? Um, which was not, it's, it's been growing like that reasoning has been growing over the decades. And so um, to your point and, and to this de- specific demographic of 65 and older, love being the primary reason wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And so to your point, not only are they living longer, um, but when you are 65 or older and you see that you have decades to go mm-hmm. and you didn't marry for love, um, you, you feel that, you know, this is me speculating a bit, but you could feel that, you know, I still have an opportunity to find that love. So mm-hmm. I just want to toss that in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so like I, I, I'm tacked this on as the second part of the question, but do you think we need to prepare differently for longer relationships because we know that we're going to be living longer now or yes. ho- hopefully knock on, <laughs> yes, knock on I do. Longer. I do. I think, you know, it's always good to be educated about what it takes to make a relationship work. And I think we now have to add into the curriculum, so to speak, um, understanding what it means to um, have a long, very long standing relationship you know, what the expectations are, what the changes are going to be later in life, um, and, you know, how you really, you know, go the distance, so to speak. So, yes, I, I do think that we have to be better prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things, and this is something we, you and I have talked about a lot over the years, is when, when you are in a long-term committed relationship, there's really two routes you take. You either grow apart or you grow together. Mm-hmm. And so it's not surprising to me that people after 20, 30 years of marriage would 
you know, potentially grow apart if they're not paying attention to it, which is, you know, the whole premise of why Hitched exists is helping people stay connected or at least have it top of mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last point I wanted to make about this before we move on to the next question is um, when I see statistics like this and I, and I read reports like this about why people marry um, and, and love being at the top of the list and also knowing that divorce rates are falling. And uh, this demographic, for example, the 65 and older, are is the demographic that peaked um, with divorce rates um, a couple decades ago. Right. Um, this is why I don't freak out when I see the number, uh, the, the average age continuing to tick up. Because I'm like, well, those they will still be married for 30, 40 years because we know that age group is divorcing less than previous generations. Right, right, right. Um, so I don't know why there's this rush to for the for young people to get married at 21 years old, 22 years old, and then have high divorce rates rather than wait four or five years and get married and never divorce. So anyways, I just wanted to throw that in there too. Cause I feel like the, um, the younger generations always take it on the chin with criticisms when I don't even think they should be criticisms in terms of waiting longer to get married. So anywho, uh, fact number two, 71% said it was very important for a man to be able to support a family financially to be a good husband or partner, while just 32% said the same for a woman to be a good wife or partner. Uh, now, this, <laughs> you know, the man provides is a very um, mm-hmm. traditional notion. Do you think it makes it harder for a modern gender, like for modern gender roles, when this is the general consensus uh, heading into a relationship, even today? Um, I read the study, but I don't remember if they broke up this percentage by age groups. So I don't know if a good portion of that 71% came from the older people. Mm, great point. Um, you know, and though I am part of the older people, I would not agree with you know, that that a husband should be the one to support the family. However, um, I'm living in a community where there are a lot of traditional people, and, and I'm still in New York, mm-hmm. which tends to be non-traditional. So I think that if you were to uh, take a survey of older folks across the country, they would tend to be more traditional. And you have to be careful when you look at statistics because um, they can be skewed or lopsided based on, um, you know, who it is that's answering the question. Uh, Do I think it's going to make a difference for um, how people go into their marriage? I think that the younger folks, luckily, um, think on their own and aren't going to be swayed. I think we have, and even some of your questions later on show that they actually do their own thing. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to sway, um, the way people think in the future, as far as it being so traditional, as far as the male being the breadwinner. Um, and, uh, 
you know, again, I think that this has more to do with how they took the statistics. That's mm-hmm. that's just my belief on this question. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's a very fair take. Um, and, and I'm glad you brought that up about how statistics can be read and things. And and I, I do want to point out, too, that um, while I mean, these are trends, really, um, and it would be um, unfair to paint entire generations, older and younger, um, based on some numbers, of, mm-hmm. you know, a select few that who are surveyed. So I do want to throw that out there too. So if I don't want to sound overly critical of any one specific group. So, um, another fact from, uh, this study is, uh, one in six newlyweds. So 17%, uh, were married to someone of a different race or ethnicity in 2015, which was the latest data available. of Gen Z and millennials say that people of different races marrying each other is a good thing for our society. And the older the generation, the less favorably it is looked upon. Um, With so many who still don't view interracial, interracial marriage as a good thing, does this make those relationships harder? And is there anything that they can do to combat that societal pushback? Okay, so a couple things. So first of all, this fact that the younger generation is having interracial marriages or inter-ethnic uh, relationships mm-hmm. goes to my point from the question before, that the younger generation isn't being um, uh, tied down to old kinds of belief systems, okay, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, the traditional, the male makes the money kind of thing. He's the breadwinner. Um, and I think that it, you know, again, it's the younger generation who's doing it. Again, the older generation is still thinking, oh, that's not such a good thing. However, I do think it's a good thing. I think that it speaks well that people are finally looking at each other as people and not um, making choices necessarily by differentness of, you know, or sameness, I should say. Um you know, years ago, I remember, because I've always been a liberal, mm-hmm. believing that if um, somebody who was, um, a, you know, a black and somebody who was white wanted to get married because they loved each other, it was my belief that they should. This is when I was very young. Um, but that it that they perhaps shouldn't have children because it would be so difficult for the children because society wouldn't mm-hmm. accept them. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, today, I don't, I really don't care about that anymore, right. you know. Um, so I'm bringing that up because to your point, does it make it harder in society? I don't think so much anymore. I really don't think so much anymore. Um, you know, again, is there going to be pushback from some people? Yeah, sure. Um, so you don't live in those areas. Um, and I think, again, the more and more that we see couples intermarrying, um, I think the more it's going to be accepted. You know, I, I had a close friend whose brother uh, married um, a black woman and uh his mother took her to her bed and didn't come out for years uh, because she was just so depressed by it. But eventually she accepted it. She wasn't Mm going to lose her son. Um, So, you know, I I don't think it's such an uncommon thing anymore. And I I do think it's good for our society. Yeah, um, I agree. 
<laughs> and one of my favorite things now is with DNA testing. Uh, you have all these stories coming out of people thinking that they were one, one thing, mm. and DNA shows like, no, your <laughs> yeah, your entire family story has been a lie. Like that's not yeah. exactly you know, and so it kind of tears down these walls. I think mm-hmm. um, we have this level of transparency today in terms of who we are and where we came from that we didn't have before, um, where it was just these passed along stories and and also there's like a level of hypocrisy that we can now see and documented um that people can't hide behind anymore so Mm -hmm. i think this is all a very good thing as you just uh mentioned um okay so then next i have um and this is staying on the uh, progressive agenda here um a majority 61 percent of all same-sex couples who live together are married um this seems slightly higher than straight couples, which is around 57, 58% who live together. Um, but only roughly 50% of the married couples, uh, 50% of straight couples who live together are married. Do you think there's any significance to this? The fact that, um, same sex, like the, a greater percentage of the same sex couples living together are married versus, um, straight couples. I think that there's probably more of a, real commitment between same-sex couples. Um, You know, it's a lot harder for them in society. And I think that, um, you know, when they really commit to each other and really love each other, um, they, they, you know, I should say when they really love each other, they make the commitment. Um, A lot of people who are... um, straight, uh, live together. And a lot of it is out of convenience that they're living together. And then they do, uh, they end up getting married really not because they're so much in love, but just because, well, you know, we've been living together for so long, we might as well get married. And those couples end up very often not having a successful marriage. And Whereas, I, same, I, yeah, it, go ahead. Sure. Uh, I want to inject that I have been listening to the Hitched podcast, and those yep. couples, uh, you refer to those as the slide couples versus yes. the decide couples. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. Um, in the relationship world, um, we we talk. So let me just explain that in case somebody has not listened to all of our wonderful podcasts. Oh that. There are couples who decide to live together because they plan to get married. And so then they just say, well, you know, okay, we're going to get married, but let's, you know, choose to live together beforehand. Some of them don't, but, you know, those couples um, have actually decided to get married because they love each other. There are other couples who have chosen to live together because of rent or convenience or whatever else. And then because they have lived together for so long, they say, you know, we live together and we, you know, we manage, we, you know, seem to get along. We might as well get married. And so those couples seem to slide into marriage as opposed to decide. Mm-hmm. And then we find statistically that those couples generally end up um, divorcing. Um, so my point between same sex and straight couples is that same sex, uh, same sex couples are really committed to each other. Those are not 
those are not people who are um, just sort of living together and have made the decision. And they have fought real stigma and objection. Um, and so, you know, um, they're, they're all in. They're mm-hmm. all in. And I think that that's why uh, you have a lot of them much more married. The, also, and I don't know if this is true, but um, my, I don't, I don't want to reveal anybody, but somebody I know mm-hmm. who I'm close to um, is, is uh, gay. And she has been with her partner for many, many, many years. And about a year ago, I said, you know, the two of you should really consider getting married. I mean, you've been together for a really long time. And given the way the government's going these days, you don't really know if you're going to have certain privileges taken away. And so maybe you ought to get married so that that way, if anything changes, you're grandfathered in. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that has been part of the thinking of uh, mm-hmm. same-sex couples, that they need to act on their relationship, again, given what the present, um, you know, yeah. government is like. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely fair um, because there have been public statements made <laughs> that, yeah. that they're not fans of the rights that um, gay couples have fought for. And, um, you know, I, I think your point was well taken about the, you know, they fought uh, against stigma and other things. And I wanted to point out, like, not only they fight against stigma and uh, opinions, but they fought for legal rights, um, right. which we have as right. straight couples taken for granted. So, um I, I think to your point about that level of commitment, you're probably right about that, and the the political uh, environment that we currently live in. Probably, you know, I would imagine that probably weighs into it a little bit, at, at least. Um, okay, so the last one, Karen, and this one, I, I I suppose it's not surprising to me, but I found it perhaps the most interesting one. Um, so uh, the article says excuse me, uh, that partnerships across political party lines are relatively rare. So roughly 23% of couples married or living together support different political parties. This is lower than religious differences, which is at 39%. Um, can it be that our political ideologies are that much different than our religions ones, uh, religious ones? Um, and are there more values associated with politics, you think, than religion? I I think what I'd rather say is that probably a lot of people are not that religious Mm. and have stronger feelings about politics than they do about religion. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's my thinking about what what causes that gap. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, that is a good point, too. And I would say that um, going back to your original point about, like, how these questions are asked and, and you know, way, the way that numbers could be skewed, um, you could have – you could be from two different religions that are very tangential, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. While, you know, they're not the same religion, but they believe in, like, 90% of the same stuff. And, like, you know, right. you might have this uh, practice that you do and they do something a little bit different. But really – and so I guess that was – I was kind of leading in my backup question or my secondary <laughs> question about are the values that much different? Um, mm-hmm. Because I do think, like, me personally, looking at this um, – 
I do think the values are different. Um, you have pro-life versus pro-choice. Mm-hmm. You have uh, climate ch- is changing from man-made causes versus I don't know what you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And these are like existential questions that people fundamentally disagree on. And, and you know, and I don't want to get into the sides of it, but um, I don't think you see. Th- that much disparity when it comes to religion. It's all about being kind to your neighbor and and loving thyself and mm-hmm. you know not coveting things that aren't yours and and on and on and on. Um, where uh, I think you can get along with somebody that believes those things. Right. So right. Um, did you did you have anything you'd like to add before we wrap this? Well, one, up? one of the things that you didn't ask me about. And I I found interesting is that they said that a much higher percentage of men, when they are widowed or divorced, look to remarry Mm. as opposed to women. Mm -hmm. And I found that interesting, but not surprising. Um, What we find is that, especially later in life, a man's oxytocin, which is the cuddle hormone, Mm -hmm. increases. And men need to have more socializing, uh, and they need a woman more than a woman needs a man. And, you know, when I talk with women in general, and we have discussions about, you know, especially at my age, we start to talk about, um, you know, the possibility of being a widow. Um, There are many widows uh, in my community, and, you know, would you remarry? Would you look? And I have to tell you, many, many women say, no, not going to do this again. Mm -hmm. It's too much work to take care of somebody. Um, And they, you know, they feel that they're independent and they can manage on their own. I think that you just, I think you just made made a key statement there is like, I don't want to take care of anybody anymore. Yeah. And yeah. whereas like I, men, like, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, the financial support being what constitutes a good husband um, and, and opinions uh, that people have. Um, but it really when you're talking about caregiving and ta- like physically taking care of somebody, it's it's traditionally fallen on the woman to do so. Yeah. And so it's yeah. not surprising to me that now that they don't have that responsibility anymore and they have all this free time to take care of themselves or to venture out into whatever interests them that they wouldn't want to immediately jump back into, you know, taking care of somebody again. Right. And again, men in the older years need companionship more. They mm-hmm. need to be part of a relationship more than a woman does. You know, plus the fact women have other girlfriends. Yeah. That's, you know, just the way it goes. So it did not surprise me, though I, again, you know, it just sort of interested me that the statistics showed that men look to remarry much at a much higher degree than women did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that is, that is interesting. Um, I, I feel like I had the same. 
uh, reaction as you is that I, it, it's interesting, but not surprising. Yeah. Um, yeah. but that, you know, that's, I'm glad, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, okay. Uh, this was, I think this was a good rundown of how, where things kind of stand right now, uh, in terms of marriage and relationships in, uh, in America in 2019. And, um, I'm sure we will do this again in the future when these numbers tick in a different direction or they ask different questions, I suppose. So, um, thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is always a pleasure and I look forward to doing this again very soon. Okay, thank you, Steve. My pleasure. Um, And so before you guys go, I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also find this information on our website, hitchedmag.com. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, um, please feel free free to uh, give us a rating on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it is that you listen to, because it helps in the discovery of this podcast for others who might be looking for some uh, marital or relationship information. So thank you so much in advance. And with that, we will wrap it up. And so until next time, take care, everybody. 